It's becoming more normal for us to interact through screens and face-to-face. -face. We're getting more familiar with a person's Instagram or Facebook feed than we are with their hopes and dreams. Let's get off this and bring back the art of conversation. Listen in as I go long form with inspiring people. I hope this encourages you to put your phone down and just talk. I'm Chris Dempsey, and this is the Wouldn't It Be Cool podcast. Welcome back, guys. Um, glad to have you. Uh, episode 21. And as always, please reach out. Um, wouldn't it be cool podcast at gmail.com. Wouldn't it be cool at Instagram and Facebook. And as always, um, please subscribe on iTunes. And if you could take a minute and leave a nice positive review, it's super helpful. Appreciate it. Um, so let's see episode 21. Um, Mike Norwood. I met this guy at a festival or fair, um, in, um, Inman square in Cambridge. And he was out on mass Ave hustling his goods for his clothing line and accessory lifestyle, uh, stuff. Uh, where's Woody is his company and his brand. And, um, I thought it was pretty cool, super creative and, uh, kind of started chatting with the guy and just like really friendly, really, um, genuine, humble, nice guy who was clearly just like working his butt off and really believed in what he was doing. A couple of years later, ran into him again on a little pop-up shop on Newbury street in Boston. Um, and went in and, uh, just started chatting with him and, decided this guy be a good guest on the podcast. Um, he just is a, uh, absolute inspiration for hard work, hustle, uh, and, uh, doing what you believe in. Um, and he is also, um, a, uh, uh, someone who lives with diabetes and, uh, that's a big cause close to him that he, that his company raises money for. So it's cool to hear about that. It was cool to hear about diabetes and, you know, learn and what he's doing. And, and, um, and I just thought his story was cool. He's just a good dude. It was really awesome to sit down and talk with him. Um, again, just a absolute inspiration, like just a hard, hard worker, um, perfect example of, of like following your gut and, and going for it. So, um, yeah, that's it. Enjoy the show. We we kind of went to a different spot. I met him down in Boston, so we're sitting inside um, uh, a small tavern. Jeez, the name is escaping me right now. Small tavern in uh, in Boston. Uh, a little louder than normal, so hopefully you can hear us pretty well. Like we could hear our, each other well in the microphones, but hopefully the background noise isn't too too distracting. Um, so that's it. Enjoy the show. Love y'all. All right, brother, we're rolling. Let's do it. Just like that. <laughs> uh, all right, well, thanks for coming. Thanks, Lucas, for having me. Appreciate it. Um, I'm here with Mike from uh, Where's Woody? Uh, what, do you, what do you call it? It's... Um, 
It's a lifestyle apparel. Yeah, it's is that we like to call it the ultimate beach brand. We hug the coast. We love the beach. We, we hug it. the coast. Is that yeah. what you said? Oh, that's good. Woody hugs the coast. That's a good one. It's a you know our wagoneer Woody is the eponymous beach ride right on. from SoCal, Nantucket, Cape Cod, where we got our start. Yeah. And I, um, if you recall, and I forget if you've seen the pictures. And actually, while we were eating and talking, I meant to show you. But remember how I, I came to you because the the uh, wagon looked so much like my friend's artwork. It was like uncanny. Right. Did I show you the pictures? I think you did. Howie then- Green. Yeah. Art, uh, pop artist, yeah, or like pop art. Yeah, it's it's kind of Peter Max, you exactly. know, for you know yeah, yeah, yeah. a bit of seventies, eighties yeah. kind of funk. But art. your yours and Howie's are more closely, like vi- visually close than your yours and Howie's and Peter Max. Yeah, even though they're both very like sort of clearly Peter Max influenced. You're you. It's like Howie could have done that wagon. Yeah, it was crazy. Well, the idea is just. You know, to make a statement and to grab eyes, yeah, you know, which it certainly does, and you know, it's got some really cool colors, which are, again, more of a throwback, nostalgic. You know, it reminds people of the '70s, maybe the early '80s, and people that are maybe in their '40s, '50s, '60s now can kind of relate to. Yeah, yeah. You know. Is that your target? Like, yeah, and I mean, we, you know, we like to think that. Um, you know, we want to get the whole family, you know, but what's interesting is that you, you get the, you know, the dads and the, even the grandparents, but the kids think it's the coolest thing, yeah, yeah. you know, that the 17, 18, ready to go off to college types that, you know, are really looking for, a, you know, from an apparel perspective, something that's got its own unique personality. It's not a staunch prepster East Coast kind of look. It's got definitely a lot of West Coast influence, which yeah. you don't really see that often. You know, you usually associate East Coast with prep, West Coast with surf. So it's yeah. either like a Volcom, West Coast, grays, darks, blacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your East Coast is pastel colors from an aesthetic point of view. And our, our line is really a, a great fusion of those two lifestyles. And then you purposely throw in a little bit of a, um, a 30-year-old beach you know rumbler that only people would take to the market of the beach because it was such a piece of crap to drive it just uh elicits a lot of cool emotions out of people yeah. so you know we've really kind of built and really designed on purpose you know a, um, a look and feel that we'd like to think at least in time could really have mainstream appeal to you know your Again, your 17, 18, 19-year-old mature kind of decision-maker ready to go to college types all the way up to, you know, granddad who used to drive. Yeah, who had know, that exact car. Yeah, or, who had that yeah. and like, oh, my God, you know how many times we've heard that we've, we, had, like, we, we had one of those? It's yeah. like, well, talk to me if you still have one. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, cool. Like we do, of course. Right. <laughs> um, uh, I kind of want to hear... Before we get like, because we 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 got to get we got to rehash a lot of stuff we talked mm-hmm. about while eating. So we got I got a couple of ways to try to remember, but hopefully I will. Yeah. Um, but uh, I want to know, um, like we want to know a little bit more about you. Um, obviously, no one knows anything yet, but yeah. um, 
you know, just kind of curious of, I'm curious with a few things. Like one, like you're a good artist. Like I've seen your art. Right. So, oh, but then you mentioned while we were talking, you went to Babson Business School. So you didn't yeah. go to art school. No. I'm, I'm really at the core. I'm a, I've been a business guy and, yeah. and more, I've been in essentially sales my whole career. I, you know, I, when I got out of college, I was a retail grunt, you know, worked my way up and to when I was a, you know, mid twenties running a bunch of stores and opening some new ones. Are you a mass guy? You grew up? In no, mass? I grew, I actually grew up in South Jersey. So mm -hmm. I'm, I, you know, for people that don't know South Jersey, they think, they think you're a New Yorker. I don't right. know, but right. no, I'm, I'm more of a Philly guy, if you will, uh, not born there, but raised there. Um, but, uh, you know, went to school in Virginia and then, uh, like I said, started in retail and, you know, just, it's where I got my, you know, I probably, you know, ingrained the work ethic in me that, you know, lives on today. I mean, uh, long hours, but you know, like I said, I, I got out running a few stores and then got to the point where I was, I think good enough at it where I could actually, um, open stores, close stores, turn some around and. You really get into the whole operational side of Who the business. Who were you working for? I worked for a company that, believe it or not, now is defunct. It was called Spectathlete. They ran a bunch of stores, some of which were actually uh, here in Boston called The Complete Athlete. And it was before the days of um, Dick's and Olympia Sports yeah. where they got into the licensed product business, the jerseys and the hats. And... You see it now with Lids Locker Room where they have, you know, that fan shop kind of look and feel. Um, those were the norm 20 years ago. Yeah. Today, uh, it's really big box retail that's doing that type of business. So they were, you know, that the company that I worked for and ran a bunch of stores for after I left wound up, you know, falling to the big guy. Um, and now, ironically, right, it's the little guy that seems to be making a push back into yeah, yeah. it because the big boxes are almost a little bit too sterile and, and don't have a, an experience like smaller guys can could, could provide back in the day but um wound up doing that and then uh got some really unique opportunities in the merchandising retailing and licensing space uh in new york city and then uh you know in all along it's worth mentioning i've i was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 11 years old and when i got into my late 20s i i started to feel a little burnt out yeah. And I wasn't, quite frankly, in the best of health at that time. And I decided that I needed to get off the train that, you know, working in Manhattan and taking the bus and traveling and doing all these crazy things. So that's you're in your, so now you've had the diabetes. You've going, on, going on almost, uh, not to, you know, peg an age on myself, but, you know, almost 40 years, yeah, I mean, yeah. 39 years. But then it had been like 10, about 12, 15, yeah, 15, about yeah. 15 years. And, uh, you know, it, it, it I, it just began to get a little bit fatigued, not just with the diabetes, which was really, you know, contributing to that, but it was more the, um, just the workload and the travel and the commuting. I mean, I was living outside of New York and working in Manhattan and, you know, that was one of the things that I think a lot of us wish they could, you know, could check off the list of where I worked in New York. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I did that for a couple of years and, um, but quite frankly, you know, I, um, you know, I, I'm a guy, so I got a little bit like, you know, not only physically tired, but I wanted to do something different. Yeah. So I got into selling medical devices. Somehow, somebody, yeah. you know, I got hired into the industry and I spent a good part of my career working for Medtronic. And uh, here in Boston, um, I got married in the interim and uh, both my wife and I uh, moved up to Boston and that's, we've been here for almost 17 years now. Yeah. So, 
Um, but, you know, I worked in the medical device space for Medtronic and sold it in the diabetes world. I sold insulin pumps, continuous glucose sensors to Jaws and Diabetes Center, Mass General, oh, wow. uh, Children's Hospital. Did so, you get into that line of sales on purpose, like consciously, yeah. because that was what you were, that's your wheelhouse of... Right on. Yeah. 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 I mean, I felt like if I immersed myself, um, it, you know, day-to-day work-wise, it would help me get my stuff turned around, and it, it really did. Yeah. And I, it was probably... Not only personally, but professionally, it was a great move because uh, it had afforded me, quite frankly, to be able to stuff some money under the mattress and pursue a dream of, of going off to business school at Babson. I'd always wanted to get oh, my. So MBA. you did that like later? Yeah. So I, I went to I went to Babson uh, about six years ago. Oh, uh, no I take kidding. that back. I, you know, it's, time's flying. Maybe eight years ago. Yeah. Two year program. Uh, all the while, I you know. Mary just had a, uh, my wife just had a, our first, our son, and um, I was working full-time at Medtronic and, uh, and going essentially full-time to school. So there was a lot going on, and then, but I would, you know, I, I began to have that itch again to do something different, and the primary reason for me to go into Babson was not only to fulfill kind of a dream of going to a really good school like that, but also to go off on my own. It was something, you know, uh, not a corporate job. Uh, and then during oh, that to time... To give you the tools to go out on your own. Exactly. Right on. Yeah, I yeah. think... I, exactly right. I think the tools, number one, and number two, really the confidence. I mean, you know, when you got to start doing your own financial statements and, and doing every aspect of a business, um, I, I felt that prior to my time at Babson, I didn't have that level of not only expertise, but like just belief in myself that yeah. I could actually do it nice. and uh, so that gave me the the courage to essentially you know jump off a cliff with yeah. it, took away, it took away some of that uh, unknown before it was like yeah. you know what's what's going to be put in my lap exactly and, 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 what, and what if I can't handle it right and I think that you know I, I do believe that you know at Babson as they they preach they can teach entrepreneurship uh, but I think more importantly, I felt like I had the skills, the confidence, the backing, the you know the um, the ability to go out and, and run my own and start my own business. Never with the intention to go back to the corporate world. And I think that's a big thing that's that's made doing what we do now, whereas Woody, like such a a success in the sense that we you know there was never an option. I mean, I. It's really hard, I and mean, we can go off on a major tangent, but I think that when you go all in, your back's up against the wall, and, and good things happen. Um, it's amazing. I think well, some people might crack under pressure, but you know, I've turned out to be one of those people that thrive, thrives and yeah. finds the best of myself when, yeah. when your back's up against the wall. Well, you know what's interesting? My observation, and again, this, this comes from our you know, 45 minutes of sitting here before we started recording, but... Um, you you already had probably the most important thing that you needed before you ever went to Babson. But you did gain some confidence, but you probably already had the confidence, but you already had the work ethic. You right. already had the, the, the X factor that can't be taught. That's so correct. Interesting. And I think that, you know, it's, it's amazing. I, I do believe that, um, you know, there's a lot of kind of trite expressions as it relates to maybe entrepreneurship, but... At the end of the day, it really comes down to you got to outwork people. Right. Um, you know, you can have the great greatest idea that you know uh, a great culture, which is critically important. But 
you know, he could be smart as anybody. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'd, I'd say that a good majority of people, or not maybe a majority, but a good percentage of some of the most successful people in the world, not just business people, maybe didn't even graduate high school mm. because they, oh, yeah. they, they're just, you know, not so much street smart, but they'll just go out there and hustle. Yeah, they got And uh, they'll get up when they're knocked down and they just refuse to quit. And I think, you know, we've had more than an opportunity to, to say, you know what, it rained today, we, we didn't put up any numbers and maybe we should just can, shouldn't come back tomorrow. Mm. And the thing is, you're often rewarded for showing up, yeah. you know, because yeah, yeah, you just yeah. keep showing up. Yeah. So, but you're 100% right. I think, you know, you got to have the capacity, the skills, but what trumps all that is your desire and your passion to just keep, keep after it. Yeah. Right on. Um, I was just going to ask you something. I was, oh, was going to ask you your, uh, this is one of those uh, entrepreneur kind of, uh, conversations out there in the world like what what's your take on failure i don't like the word i think it's you know it's a four-letter word i think that uh you know and they say you know if you're gonna fail fail fast and that that's true i mean you don't want to be making the same mistakes over and over again and and what have you but um i really think it's not an option i mean i i i look at failure is uh you know probably a harsh way to describe something that didn't go your way um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> that's it's good, you know that's a good way of putting it. You know, I mean, I'm not to make light <laughs> of it. I mean, people, you know, um, I mean, I'm just one of these uh, crazies. I think that seems to think that uh, again, if you keep showing up and you and you you have customers and you have something that's working, although it, it may go sideways on you here and there, um, yeah, you might be say yeah, today was a failure. Well, it, you know, today was you know one of the you know. Of those 49 days out of 100 that didn't go your way but right. a 51 go better than you know than average then you then you should keep going right. you know yeah, so yeah. i think that it's all a matter of perspective and how you define things but failure is um it's tough i mean maybe it's you know a little bit softer to say it in a way that you didn't succeed but i mean what's success right i mean it's it's to each their own in terms of defining what that is but you know, I don't really look at, um, I've never used the word. I don't, I, I prefer not to. I just think it's like today was a crappy day or that didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's a good, that's a good question with it. We the try you, something different. Yeah. The way you said like, so what, like on the flip side, what's success? That's a good, just that is a good answer. And it, by the way, it was a loaded question. Yeah. Like what is, what is failure? Because, um, I happen to have the same or, you know, yeah, I think I do. Um, I haven't taken the risks that you've taken, but um, uh, you know, failure to me is a step. Right. Oh, it is part a of step. the process. Yeah. So you didn't, you didn't fail. You just, you just, you're in your journey. Exactly. You're in your, well, you're in you your know, process. Yeah. And you know, and I think that this is, you know, it's, it sounds uh, very philosophical, but um, you know what you, which is so clear to me is that you're not gonna get anywhere unless you're, you're very uncomfortable and it might even feel like failure. I mean, I've always said in order to be successful, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable because mm. that's the way you're going to be most of the time. Right on. And, um, and sometimes uncomfortableness could be feel like a failure type of thing, I would imagine, to, to most people. But, you know, um, I, I, it's all about the, where you are in your state of mind and just trying to stay 
you know, you don't have to be over the top positive, but you just have to stay optimistic. Yeah. And that's Grounded. really when you're when you're that way, that just overshadows the uh, the mindset of not making it or failing or or uh, um, you look at things very pragmatically and say, well, that didn't work. Let's yeah. change course. So then, or, what is success? I mean, I think for us, I mean, you know, being in the in a world where you know we need to ring the register and we need customers, I think when people buy from you, and you know, it's the old like from a salesman's kind of like the biggest joy is closing the sale mm-hmm. you know, sometimes, and more importantly, beyond closing the the transaction, it's having people come back and then mm-hmm. see you grow. I mean, the beautiful part of what we've done is we've had the same kind of clients or customers for years now because they're like I kind of like these guys they look like they're out you know busting their butts and then what do you know two three years later they're like man you know you guys get better stuff and you look bigger and you, you got more people and they just see you yeah when grow. I first met you you were alone yeah and then uh, and, yeah, you know now, we, now we got a crew you know yeah. it's kind of cool and people see that and they it, I, so I think for success and from a where's Woody standpoint is you know, of course, you know, having a great interaction with people that may, in most cases, fortunately for us, result in a transaction, a sale. But beyond that, have people come back, you know, and uh, respect you and admire what you're doing and feel that what you're doing is important. So for us, I mean, I always say that the token that we exchange that, that you know ultimately rings our register is a hat, a t-shirt, a jacket. But you know when we, we know that we can you know, pass along some of those some of our proceeds to you know a cause like diabetes that's you know personal to me, um, I feel like we're, we're making an impact. Mm-hmm. And I, that to me, you know uh, sounds a bit sentimental, but I, it, 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 it's uh, it, t- it strikes a chord with me and the other side of it is you come to find out there's so many people that are impacted neither, either directly or somehow indirectly by diabetes and I'm not talking about type 2 because yeah. we know how prevalent that is but type 1 is exploding so and type 1 is um, is not uh, lifestyle it's correct it, it's, it's, what it is. it's essentially you know you get struck by lightning with a virus you know and uh your antibodies or your auto, your immune system in your body inappropriately attacks the beta cells that make insulin, and you, you, uh, and insulin doesn't, you know, when it's you don't have any insulin, you can't, your body can't transport or move the sugars in your in your bloodstream into the cells, so you wind up with dangerously high blood sugars in a very acute, quick setting, and if it's not dealt with or diagnosed quickly. It could be very troubling and, yeah. and dangerous. Deadly, can it? Yeah, it can, it can be. Yeah. Sadly enough, and it has happened. But, um, but it's a uh, it's impacting more and more young kids. It's even impacting people into their forties now. So, you know, they used to call it juvenile diabetes and adult onset diabetes. They don't use those designations anymore mm. simply because um, it's really it's. Uh, it's it's uh, age indifferent, you know. So why it, it, uh, so if type two is lifestyle and type one isn't, so why are um, why is it why are more people? Do we know that? Do we know why it's becoming more? Well, we know that um, 
not to sound like a scientist or, 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 or clinician, but uh, we know that type 1 diabetes, it, it's much like the way I, I say this, much the way even cancer and these a lot of autoimmune um, triggered diseases, there's environmental issues okay. that some that quite frankly people like myself that have type 1 diabetes or perhaps some forms of cancer and uh, there's we're just simply more susceptible perhaps to environmental triggers and it's that doesn't mean there's toxins that are you know in the air it just might be that the the way in which the water we drink or the air that we breathe you know treats us a little bit differently in a way that that ultimately can result in you know some kind of virus that makes our body go left or right so there isn't a, a genetic predisposition to having perhaps a haywired kind of um you know, a set of uh dna or yeah. molecular makeup meaning that you know for some reason our 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 antibodies or, or our, our immune system reacts the wrong way but it's it's kind of a one-two punch you know you have that genetic predisposition of being okay. susceptible to having your your antibodies do the wrong thing and then on top of that have be susceptible perhaps to that environmental trigger that wind that water that grass i mean who knows yeah, yeah. i mean wish i wish we really wish we could figure that out to where um well, that's probably the the, uh, the golden. The, yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, I think it's among us. You know, we know we, we know that. You know, again, it's it's perhaps right there. We just, you know, frustratingly at this point, we yeah, haven't been able to put our finger on it. But I, you gotta believe and again, stay optimistic um, that the day will come. Yeah, we'll yeah. figure out what I, those 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 triggers are for this subset of people like myself that um, get zapped. Yeah, and is that what your? Um, I, I, I guess it's a, a, as simple as some of your proceeds go towards trying to help put money towards finding out what causes and what can cure. Yes. So I mean, obviously, we get the question a lot. Uh, you know, there's a financial, you know, benefit, if you will, to or beneficiaries to what we're doing. You know, we've aligned ourselves with uh, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, the College Diabetes Network. Uh, Joslin Diabetes Center, specifically Team Joslin. And what we're simply trying to do there is, you know, pass along our proceeds, 10% of net profits every year. But to me, and I think to anybody that, that as you know, we've had the pleasure of meeting that are impacted by diabetes, that love what we're doing, perhaps it's more important that they can, they can make a statement. Um, you know, our clothing isn't... Uh, grays and blues it's it's got some personality to it and that's all done by design to you know um as we like to say our brand is all about making a statement and we believe that living with diabetes should be absolutely no different mm. and so it's all about having uh, you know a, a, a bolder pers persona you know if it's you personally or a family member that's impacted by diabetes so it's it goes beyond the financial kind of uh you know, and the checks that we write, which we're more than willing to do, and we, and it's, it's fortunately allowed us to work with arguably the, some of the best, if not the, if not the biggest nonprofits that people are familiar with. But um, more importantly, you know, visually and, you know, more and more people, you know, on a, uh, you know, weekly basis or just as they like to say, get on the wagon because yeah. they, they, they love the mission. They love the, the kind of personality and 
color, if you will, we're trying to bring to a condition that I often like to say is grayscale. It's just not looked upon, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, very in a lighthearted way. It's taken very seriously. And, and unfortunately, as much as we're not there to stand on the soapbox and educate people about the differences of this type of di diabetes and that yeah. type of diabetes, um, we're trying to bring people together to make people realize that people with diabetes can actually uh, not only achieve their wildest dreams, but they can look good doing it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. people dig that, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's just a different take on it. And, and it, uh, fortunately for us, I think keeping it that kind of, you know, fun and relaxed really opens people up. And what you find is that a lot of people uh, like to hang with us for, you know, it's not they come up and I'm going to take a shirt and they give us their credit card and they, they sign and they walk away. They hang out. Yeah. I just want to chat with us. It's kind of fun, you know. Yeah. And so we've built a lot of really good relationships with people that are beyond, way beyond the, the business side of what we do. Yeah. Um, a little bit, another, just a couple questions on, the, on diabetes. Yep. Um, does exercise help you at all? It does. I mean, whether, whether you have, I mean, again, uh, not sounding like a diabetes educator or a, a scientist or something, but, you know, when you exercise, um, it, re it requires you to take less medication, or in my case, mm. less insulin. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me, because it, it allows you to simply, it sensitizes your body to the insulin's effect much better than if you mm. didn't exercise. Oh, cool. Um, so, it, you know, and the other side of it is, I mean, we know when exercise with or without diabetes, it, it kind of depresses your appetite a little bit, so that's good. Uh, so less junk going in, perhaps, and less junk coming out in the form of higher blood sugars. So, but, you know, for all that said, if your if you're insulin or your, you know, the medication that you're taking when you exercise, you often have to augment that or turn it down, as I, as I put it, so that you can avoid things like a low blood sugar or hyperglycemia because, you know. Yeah, um, you're, you're trying to maintain a balance. Correct. Yeah, and, you know, and a normal blood sugar as much as possible. It's, it's a little bit far-fetched to think that that can be something you can do all the time. But, you know, for a lot of people that we meet, um, that's their goal. So, you know, we obviously encourage that and we encourage people to live a healthy, out, active outdoor lifestyle. But, and that's, again, that's part of who our brand represents. It's like, you know, it's about being outdoors, it's about yeah. having fun, it's about going to the beach, skiing, you know, riding, whatever. And, but all that said, you know, exercise is, it's a great um, medicine in some respects, but it requires you to, to alter or, better manage perhaps your your medicine that you actually take yeah. uh, so that you can maintain your normal and you sugars. carry insulin with you carry insulin you you as you saw me do you, you check your blood sugar you do a finger stick um, and then you know like when you do things like eat um, you know you need to do what we call cover that so you take insulin to um, you know through in my case a pump to be able to to uh, you know keep your blood sugar from going up from the carbohydrates that you're taking in. Mm. And that all requires... Is that um, happening automatically? It, not yet. There is technology out there that's soon to come to market. So you have to take yeah. it. Yes. I mean, <laughs> but the, the beauty of it is you can uh, use the calculator that's in there with the data that's provided in the form of a blood glucose value. And uh, the pump in a sense, we'll tell you exactly how much, how many units you should take, yeah. but it requires some skill and discipline. Yeah. Um,
But I always say that just because you have diabetes doesn't mean you have to be more disciplined. People that, and you know this, you know, being a healthy eater, that everybody should eat this way. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, right. I mean, the only difference is that we, we have to, in having, instead of having our pancreases automatically, you know, uh, you know, deliver insulin to cover that meal, we have to take it manually. Yeah. That's the only difference. Yeah. But you should still eat well and, and uh, in my opinion, mitigate the amount of carbs you take and, and uh, get after it. Yeah. What about fruit? It depends. I mean, obviously, there's like different foods. Fruit is a, uh, I mean, there's certain ones like bananas, I think, in, in, in grapefruits, for example. Oranges, they're a little bit more, they're higher in their glycemic index, the, the, the way in which they can spike your blood sugars. But, um, for example, like an apple is pretty good. Grapes um, are a little bit better. On the other hand, like raisins are very dense in, in sugar. Um, so it just depends. But... You know, um, fruits in general are, you know, part of a healthy diet. It's just a matter of whether or not you want to, you know, really kind of lean more towards the apples than the oranges. Right. You know, because one one has a, you know, a a lesser effect on your blood sugar spikes than, you know, the other. Which means you need to, like, uh, um, offset with medication differently or less or more. Exactly. And or... Uh, you know, ex- go go run another extra mile because you had a banana instead of an apple. Right. That type of thing. I mean, you can huh. you can find ways to knock down and normalize your blood sugar by not just you know dosage or insulin medication adjustments, but by you know exercise adjustments. Yeah. So it, it's 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 an art more than a science for sure. But I mean, and I I'm not I don't claim to be a master, but it's um it's it's interesting things like this that perhaps not so in depth but that again as it relates to the mission Woody's drive over diabetes for where's Woody this is kind of what keeps people so intrigued about what we're doing and the great thing is is you know my my crew that works with me I I sometimes feel like there is there is knowledgeable about diabetes than I am because they've been around it for so long and people must ask them they do and you know what they're actually they're they're more than competent which is great and I I think like I said before, some of the greatest uh, um, part of the one of the greatest things about what we do is the fact that you know people not only respect you know the, obviously the quality product and the effort we put into presenting it and the, and the effort we make to go as many places as we go, but the fact that we our mission is such a, a big part of what we do, and we can speak knowledgeably about it. Yeah. You know, we're not trying to again, we're not soapboxing, educating people. Um, that's not our role. Our role is to put people in a more comfortable, you know, environment and just talk more casually about it and try to, quite frankly, make make, make fun of it or fun Almost with it. Almost normalize. Yeah. You know, it's part of what we do. It's yeah, we right. put our pants on, go to work, do our thing, and, you know, like I said, look good doing it. Yeah. Right, right on. Um, and so, and to, to back up a little bit, and that ties in with this, so the question about uh, what's failure, then what's success, and then what's life like with diabetes, um, you have... I don't know if you know this about you, but you have a real um, consistent style in how you live your life, mm-hmm. you know, through your failures, yeah. in quotes, yeah. and then, your, you know, your successes and your, and your living with diabetes. You're a very, um, you know, uh, just day by day, event by event, moment mm-hmm. by moment, you know, there's no, you're, you're just in your journey. There's right. no, your finish line is your grave. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no, like you have, you don't, you don't have like, 
you don't have this uh, I don't know like sometimes it almost seems like it's a burden sometimes when there is that big goal I'm gonna get this big goal I'm gonna be a right I'm gonna you know my goal is to where if you can just go I'm having fun doing what I'm doing I have a goal Right. It's not like you're not creating goals. You certainly have goals. Oh, sure. But you have a real cool, consistent, strong... Uh, um, uh, Authenticity, maybe. I, I think I think there's that. and But it's just maybe a routine. Um, I actually have another... I agree with both those. Yeah. But I, I also have another uh, observation um, that I bet ties into this. Yeah. And um, you are... Um, a real like right-brained businessman, but right. you're a real left-brain <laughs> artist. You are. Yeah. And even and even and I want people to hear more about your business. But even when we were talking earlier about your business and seeing your product and seeing your artwork and all that, right? Um, you you think like an artist. You you have a real. You don't. Your bottom line and your goal is the same as a, as a successful businessman, but you're coming at it from just like a, when you talk to me about it, there's just a little bit that's a different angle. <laughs> it has a little more humanity attached to it. Yeah, yeah. And, we, and that's the different than a typical sort of like businessman, sometimes, you know, where right. they're, it's just bottom line, give me bottom line. You are coming at it, you have a humanity attached to what you're doing. I, that's great. I mean, I you know, and it's one of these things that, quite frankly, maybe until I, jumped off the off the cliff or off the bridge and you know started where's Woody you know down in Falmouth that you know I didn't really realize I had I mean it was it's it's a lot of what you do when you do things like starting a business it's a it's it's a phase of self-discovery um and it's it's never ends I mean and that's the thing that I enjoy probably you know again beyond which I think is included with discovering other people and meeting more people and great people that you know that admire what we're doing it's it's all about discovery and and uh and like i said no, six seven years ago when i was at babson i, I went can't there to believe kinda, it was that recent that's crazy yeah, that's wild it's awesome. well i was like you know i was a little bit older than the average student but you know <laughs> i mean most of my i believe it or not i think it was most I think the average age was like 34 35 oh. something like that but um, yeah the program I did was like for working professional types so it was people that generally had 10 15 maybe 15 years of yeah. good work experience but but I, I, I find it interesting um, that you know all business you know and, and by the way I mean I was never a number cruncher type but you you have to become mm. one yeah, yeah. but I think the 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 artist in me, if you will, is um, it's a found thing. I mean, I never really realized. It. I mean, I've always been a bit of. I mean, I've, I think I've always been ambitious, and and I know driving my wife crazy, a, a, a bit of a an OCD kind of perfectionist type. Which is there's some good in that, probably more so than there's bad. I think I'm defending myself. <laughs> no one's uh, attacking you, right? Yeah, I don't want to beat myself up too much because, but. But I think that um, it's a weird balance because um, all the while I'm trying to create things, it, it's all got to be, you know, there's got to be a business kind of like, you know, it's kind of like the, 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 the angel on your left and the right shoulder telling each other like, you know, this is good. No, that's really not good for business. And, right, right, right. But, you know, and, I, and I'm speaking specifically about, you know, 
product in the sense that not so much design, but more like, okay, let's go add another product to our line, you know, and you want to do everything, but it has to be sequenced in a way where you can afford to do it. And two, you, you want to make sure that if you bring it out, there's demand. Right. You know, so like we hear all the time, you know, of course, every day, you know, that, what about this? What about that? And you, and you have to kind of fish through all that to get to. But there's this really pragmatic, you know, like, OK, what, how is this going to impact the business? You know, right side versus the left side of saying, man, I want to I want a vest. I want a jacket. Mm-hmm. I want a polo in six colors. And and, you, you know, you have to, you know quite frankly do what we did i think last year is you try three different new items you you make as few as them as as you can and that um as i'm sure we'll speak to that requires you almost to make stuff domestically because you cannot go offshore to make things that are less than a thousand pieces the the minimums are ridiculous but um you know you you you, it requires your you know to balance your real desires with what again makes more the most sense financially and for the state of the business and kind of almost when you uh, you know you take your time and I'm not a very patient person that's for sure but you have to make you have to stay the course and and uh, perhaps do things slower than you want to so the creative side of you wants to do things kind of fast and iterate quickly whereas the business side of you says well wait a minute that's that's one that's not that you can't do risky it's risky. Yeah. It's it's risky, and it's it's. You know what? You know it, it's. I, I learned in this in, in medical device, or you know, and just in sales in general. Sell what you have. You know, make make stuff. Stay lean. Don't expose yourself to things like inventory, and uh, you know, really vet the, uh, the not only the demand but prove the concept, the design, the aesthetic, the, the fabric, all these types of things as it relates to our jackets and our polos, and you know. If they fail, we had one item that did not do well, um, and ironically, it was not about the the fabric or the the, the way it looked. It was uh, the cut was off. Mm. I mean, you'd be damned. It's like you know everything else looks good, looks great on the hanger, but it doesn't fit the way it's supposed to fit. Yeah. It's a little tight in certain in spots, but you live and learn. So you're not two out of three ain't bad, but um, that one Cut's count. Huge. Yeah, for me, cut is huge. Yeah, but that's another. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the one, the one that you got wrong, kind of leaves a mark. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You almost have to. You know, you almost want to try to bat a thousand. As unrealistic right. as that sounds, I mean, you got to try to balance that. You know, it's going to be tough to bat a thousand. But the business guy is saying, you better. Yeah. What else you going to be? You know, you have any cash? Yeah. Um, well, let's talk fast fashion. Yeah. So I told you about that um, documentary, uh, True Cost, mm-hmm. and it was uh, horrifying. You know, it was right. really a, a, a dismal um, uh, message and display of uh, the fashion industry, the clothing industry. Um, it tied into, coincidentally, we also happened to watch uh, the documentary Minimalist. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right around the same time. So they, in, in essence, those kind of tied, yeah. you know, in a little bit. Um, so it was, it was pretty interesting. Um, and I guess you could do a couple things. You could do, you could, you could, it's a nice long conversation. It's pretty interesting too. Like why you're not fast fashion, like literally how you're not and why you're not. Right. 
and uh, and then how do you uh, well well it's interesting later. and it's it, it's um you know fast fashion for those that don't know you know h&m uh primark um zara those types of brands are all about chasing trends and essentially selling you disposable clothes that you'll need to buy yeah literally uh yeah they, they literally they disintegrate on you like within weeks yeah. um so, because their seasons are yeah they, they don't want to be they don't want to uh, really set a, a, their own standard for style as I like to say what they want to do is chase trends and and make things quickly and obviously very cheaply um, that are sold at you know, maybe at an under market price perhaps but the margins in there are so you know good for them that um, they can afford to just churn and burn and that's kind of what they do. Um, so the difference between, you know, what we're doing and, you know, I, I've, you know, to sound like a pioneer, uh, it might come across that way, but we've coined the phrase mill to market much the way farm to table, um, is essentially, you know, uh, harvesting crop off a farm and getting it to the table and, you know, and having people sell, eat that, eat that food in a restaurant or at a, a farm or a market of some sort at a reasonable price. Right. And essentially what, what we believe, and this is really, I'll be honest, was born out of necessity. It touches on what I mentioned earlier. When you're a young company, um, it, it, it makes no business sense, first of all, to, to just buy a bunch of goods and put them on the shelf and hope. sell through them and, and, and hope too. You know, the idea is that you, you kind of like, a, you know, again, to use a food analogy, you want to make the order as much as you can, stay lean, um, because you don't, quite frankly, have a lot of cash, you know. Um, and the, the last thing you want to do, if you can avoid it, and sometimes it's a really tough, difficult balance, is to tie up any cash that you have in inventory. Um, so what we started out doing when we really got into the apparel side of what we did with you know, particularly T-shirts, short sleeves and long sleeves, is we ordered as few as we could. Um, we, you know, we printed them, but only those that we thought that we could sell within, the, within a two, three, four week period. Um, and then, you know, we would keep a real close eye on when it was that we, we either sold out or were expected to sell out, and we'd make more. And when you can do that relatively quickly, um, you know, you're not only making a product that is unlike fast fashion durable it's good it's made locally it comes through you know printing embroidered um stitched cut and sewed locally and warehouse locally and then it's essentially on the market within a day or two there's less links in the chain and, and all that kind of stuff so the idea of farm to table in our case in the apparel uh, and accessory business mill to market is you know make goods you know as needed um don't you know, stack them high and try to get rid of them, you know, make them as, as your business permits and sell them at a price, quite frankly, that might be, and we hope at least as much or maybe a little less than what people would expect to buy for a made USA garment and, uh, provide tremendous value to the consumer. So, um, you know, it's the antithesis of fast fashion in more ways than one, but it's, um, we think it's just more synonymous with uh, what's gone on in the food industry and the transparency that's required and being able to build not only, you know, reasonably priced goods, but stuff that is made to support, you know, local craftspeople 
um, screen printers, embroiderers, people that do really trade jobs. And And your footprint is way lower when you're not shipping your stuff. That's correct. Flying your stuff. That's a huge point. I mean, we... You can take a lot of cost out of the chain, uh, not to mention links, by not having to ship anything. Yeah. So, you know, what we're working on right now is, you know, whether it's a, a, a totally cut and sewn, like soup to nuts, scratch to finish product, you know, anorak jacket that we sell for $180, um, you know, within a matter of days or a week. And then having it on the shelf, you know, essentially for a day, two days, and, it's, and then it's to the market, like quickly. Um, you are um, one not wasting time because time is money um, but you're not spending any money um, shipping that product around logistically it's a nightmare so we've really focused on the idea of shrinking the chain as much as we can and then when it comes to you know the value aspect of a supply chain or the value chain is you know when you do that you're able to offer without you know argument a, a better product for a better price um, or, or in a reasonable price. I mean, we, we obviously, we, we ask what we think is a, is a, um, uh, a fair price, but it's premium. You know, it's not, it's not discount for sure. But um, we also know that, you know, as I always tell people, the shirts that we, that we sell are top of the shelf, top of the drawer t-shirts. You're going to have these things for three, four, five years. You know, and you're only paying thirty-four dollars for a shirt. Probably more. Yeah. Well, our short sleeves are thirty-four bucks, and I would, I would argue that or more time. I mean, probably yeah. I'm longer than that. I've had two, I've had cheap T-shirts for right that long. Yeah. Right. So yeah. maybe we're not being, you know, giving ourselves enough credit. But I mean, um, yeah. I mean, you're going to want to have these things. On the flip side, right? You, if you were to get a T-shirt from a fast fashion retailer, yeah, you'd be lucky if you get a year out of that thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, you get what you pay for, right? Yep. But that's the intent. They want you to spend less and get crappy value and then be, I guess, dumb enough to go back and buy it again. Yeah. So. And are you, um, are you aware, like, you kind, of, you kind of mentioned it by saying it happened out of, almost out of necessity, but it's kind of cool to watch that journey of, like, uh, again, the business, the left versus the right, mm-hmm. um, paying attention to and evolving with um in terms of your mission you know your sort of like spiritual mission of like and you know being aware of doing good right you know good with your business model and your business practices you know because that's huge well employ you know people give them a living wage which is a huge 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 issue in fast fashion like a living wage safe environment fossil fuel footprint like yeah, and you know what? I mean, I, I quite frankly, like I said, I mean, it was, you know, I I never really, you know, I didn't grow up or even get into the business really even understanding the whole production cycle and the dilemma that, you know, um, you know, these documentaries have really brought to the fore with the, the issue of sweatshops and what have you. But to your point, I've kind of uh, been exposed to it to the point where, you know, it made us, made me or us realize that, you know, one, it's terribly unfortunate, you know, societally speaking. But on the other hand, from a business perspective, which, you know, you have to look at the, I mean, it made no sense to do business like that. Mm. So what strikes me is that, you know, now granted, being a smaller business that, 
you know, isn't producing thousands and thousands or tens of thousands or even even millions of units where the economies of scale, you could say, are better offshore than they might be here because of the capacity issues. But, you know, um, that would be the argument of, of fast fashion retail to say we're doing too much volume to be able to handle that kind of workload here. And oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that may be their excuse. But well, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's right. like, yeah, you're doing too much volume because you're because you're you you did that. Mm-hmm. Your practices did that. Right. You, you charge right. so little that you're doing huge volume, and right. you charge and you can charge so little because you're but you're killing people literally. Right. But what's happening is, and I think that we have a, a greater sense of what goes on in the market because we're out there. Without a doubt, more than any brand that I that I know, um, we're not you know we're you know we're not selling into stores and and staying behind the scenes. We are out there in, in front of our customer, you know hundred you know a couple hundred three hundred days a year easily, and you know I wouldn't say there's an overwhelming movement for made in America or but there's clearly much more attention being paid to um, transparency and and where things are made and how things are made and. And, um, you know, we need to be sensitive to that as a, as a young brand that, you know, when that's looking to differentiate itself and, and, you know, do good, as we talked about on the diabetes side, it's important to us to, um, to do good and take care of people that, um, that can make our stuff. And, and more importantly, I think we're going to wind up proving out that we can make our goods at a much higher unit cost. Pass a, you know, pass along in the form of a retail price point that is fair, and still have enough money to to, to succeed in business. Yeah. You know, I think that um, without calling out any particular brands not in the fast space, fast fashion space, there are a lot of brands that are just charging a fortune, and their margins are grossly uh, higher than what they deserve to be. Right. But quite frankly, they they. Um, you know they're not they're not dumb. They they've done it in a way that's you know um, you know uh, I guess brought a brought a product to market at a at a at a, at a price that are, people are willing to pay, and uh, without necessarily a customer at that point maybe caring or they've been conditioned to say you know what that's what their their product goes for. Well, I think us and many other retailers that are kind of upstarts that are doing things differently. Not just on the manufacturing side, but on the distribution side, and of course on the on the causal side, that we are going to expose those practices a little bit more um, than uh, might have happened five, ten, fifteen years ago. And it's not that we're going to go out there and say, "Well, you know, we're not going to be this company or that brand. We're just going to do what we do because people, you know, really dig what we're doing. And if they ask us about, you know, how it is that we you know, make great product locally and we distribute it direct to consumer and we, we do good for diabetes. That's awesome. But, you know, we are who we are. We're not trying to compare ourselves to anybody else. Um, it's competitive, but, you know, our whole thing is just to stick, stick, to, stick to our game and stay the course. And, and um, you know, like hopefully in a very kind of overtime way, be a disruptor, you know, be an yeah, innovator, yeah. Be, be somebody that's, you know, not only just doing the, the the product side of the equation differently, but the distribution side of it, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I like that mill to uh, market is a good, that's a good step towards being a disruptor. Yeah, that's, you know, you like, know, that's one of those catchphrases that you come up with in your sleep at night, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think people that are wired 
like me, I guess. Uh, you know, you try to find out real easy ways to tell people what you're doing. Yeah. And, you know, it seems to rhyme. Or it, it's, well, it's, it's an alliteration. Yeah. And it's, right. And it's, it's true. It's exactly what we're doing. And yeah. we feel that, again, if you can take away steps, you know, links, logistics, um, you take out costs, which allows you, again, to offer a price that um, is, is without without a doubt more reasonable fairer to the market but doesn't compromise your margin which is key you know from a business perspective you want to be able to you know have a you know a healthy margin but you know you don't want to have that in the form of having to raise your price and or overprice your goods you know, uh, destroying the planet all these other things all these other kind of like you know associated like not so good things Um, so there's a lot of like obviously financial impact to the equation, but there's a societal impact to what you're doing. And then from our perspective, we believe not, not just on the, the environmental side, but that, you know, again, what we're doing is a platform to, for people to talk about diabetes. We're not out there raising awareness as much as we are just chatting it up with people. It's a great thing for a condition that's been stigmatized for decades. And it's, yeah. so that's, uh, for me very personally, um, Rewarding because it, it's a really unique platform for us to be able to engage people in a way that we think it's never been done before. So, to your exact point, I mean, we think that our you know our business model of again the locally made product direct to consumer and then the mission side all put together is is a value proposition that you know works for everybody, works for a lot of people, and um, you know, and, and quite frankly, if if you're going to compete on the product side of things and you just can't do what everything, every, you know, what people have been doing before. You've got to be not only, you got to only make a, a, a cooler looking product. You've got to make one that, um, is built the way we were building our stuff. So where do you get your material? So it depends. I mean, so, you know, in the case of, you know, nuts and bolts stuff, as we like to say it, you know, like, uh, like sweatshirts, um, Typically, we use a lot of cotton and recycled polyester blended fabric, which is really gives the benefit of kind of cotton, which us Americans are, you know, used to. It's what we grew up on. But like a recycled poly, which like a a brand like Patagonia has made a living off of, gives it the durability and the breathability that people desire today. Cotton isn't the most breathable thing. It also shrinks and it wrinkles and it does some things that, you know, um, I'm personally not a fan of and I think our clientele is discovering is actually there's some benefit to it. So when you blend these two things together, um, it actually makes for a, a really good looking, slim fitting for most people, long lasting five year old top of the drawer piece. So when it comes to t-shirts and like hoods, we typically source that fabric from distributors it's yeah. not something we uh in many cases actually make um yeah. but when it comes to printing you know with water w- you know water-based inks and embroidering with you know different machinery and what have you it's the finishing aspect of what we do that um is local um so the fabric there is in some cases it's imported yeah. and then we then we'll, we'll put our touches on it you know we'll We'll, we'll print it, we'll embroider it. We'll Is that a goal to, to uh, get yeah. even, like, try to source yeah. um, the material itself locally? Yeah. I mean, I think that the ultimate goal is, 
you know, um, across the board, whether it's a T-shirt or it's a it's a two hundred dollar jacket, you want to be able to what, do what they call cut and sew. So you want to be able to source fabric. You know, domestically might be a little bit difficult for some of these really durable, like water weatherproof type fabrics mm-hmm. for a jacket. You know, domestically, but at the end of the day, um, what we see now, which I think at the least what we're going to be able to accomplish is, you know, the assembly of, of the piece all the way from the, the, the fabric coming in spools of yardage mm-hmm. to be able to be cut, then simply sewn together and then entirely finished and hung up on a hanger and put out in the, on display. That step all the way from, you know, the cutting of the yard to sewing it together and doing all that, we yeah. want to we want to do local. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's within our reach. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we would love to do everything from fabric production, which I think is the, the link of the chain that might be most difficult yeah. with certain fabrics from, from, from all over the world. <coughs> but that's part of the iter- yeah, it's part of the you know the process is to try mm-hmm. to because the great thing is even a couple of years ago we, we we were not as buttoned up as we are now because it takes time to really learn and, and, and work out the kinks so to speak yeah. and uh, but yeah we're, we're we want to be as much to what we claim to be and that's you know from a mill you know cut sew production all the way to you know you know done on Thursday on the market on Friday and sold you know Saturday yeah. type of process um, where do you think you got your work ethic I think my you know my parents were incredibly hard workers yeah. and the thing is I, I they you know I think a lot of kids like myself would say that they're um, they might not have been you know I didn't come I came from a straight middle class family and, um, and, and whether or not you're, you're you know your upper upper class or you know you're lower you know middle class whatever the case is is um you know i I respected the fact that we didn't have a lot we had enough my parents always did a lot for you know uh, my brother and i in the sense that we always seemed to go on vacations that were beyond what we could afford but you know that was part of i think uh providing uh you know being a good parent but um but i don't know i mean i think that i um it is, and it's in a lot of ways, it's a hereditary thing. It also is obviously driven by the fact if you love what you're doing, mm. you freaking get up in the morning, yeah. and it's that simple. So, but I think it's, um, you know, my mother uh, and, and my dad as well were, they like the work, yeah. and I, I, I'm one of these people that I think I, I like the work, and I, you know, I'm married with two kids. Somehow, still, that's the case. But I mean, <laughs> you know, I. Does your wife work? Yeah. She does. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, um, it, to say it's a balance is an understatement. I mean, you try to do everything. And I, I kind of legitimize, you know, having this, you know, with the travel and staying in two star motels and things like that. Um, it's just a sacrifice that you have to make to ultimately bring home the bacon to say, oh, you know, I, I want my daughter who's nine years old to say, you know, I know why you were, you know, you were out late or you were gone that weekend and things like that. And my son gets it. He spent some time with me on the road. He's 13 going off to high school next year. And, um, which makes me feel really good because he appreciates what I'm trying to do. And I think we are doing, but, um, 
My daughter, it's a little bit more of a struggle because she doesn't see or understand the type of effort that it takes. But, I mean, like I said earlier, it's we just, you know, we're driven by our fandom, and they, we, there's always something to be done. There's, you know, we feel like we're, you know, we're we're innovators, we're disruptors, we uh, we're doing good. We we feel all these things, and these this is what kind of motivates the us to not only get up in the morning but you know get up at 5 a.m and and do our thing yeah. and and uh you know not live the luxuries quite frankly that i might have been afforded to me a decade ago i mean it's, it's a different lifestyle yeah. but I, I i i i i love it in some respects which is insane i mean most people like i, I can't believe i'm not staying in a, a, a decent hotel well, can't afford to you know and, and we should not that you can't afford to be. You want to spend your your money and your your resources resources on things that are going to move the ball. A nice hotel is not going to, you know, help your help your P and L at all. You know, it's only going to hurt it. So I mean, that's the kind of like, you know, uh, mindset that you need to have. But I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, I think again, it's driven by you know what I what how I was raised. Number one and number two, I think. Again, when you're you you kind of love what you do and people love what you're doing it's a huge motive and quite honestly I mean I think this needs to be said too that if you stop doing it people would be really disappointed right and that's part of me that says you know I'm you know never you know any entrepreneur will tell you that they've thought about quitting more than once but um, I've always said to myself you know I can't I mean, you know, it, it would be it would bother me less personally than it would I think our customers. I think they would be just, just like devastated if yeah. we stopped doing what we're doing. Um, especially those that are connected to our mission and believe that there's such such potential for us to, you know, if nothing else, raise a lot of money over time. I think that you know, you know, this year alone we want to you know be well into the five figures and how much money we can donate to charity and. I think we'll do that. I'm, 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 I'm absolutely convinced we'll do that. But, you know, when it gets into the seven figures, then I feel like, you know, we're really doing that. But it takes time. Yeah. What about uh, trying to, try to think of a way to, to uh, broach this subject or ask it without, without sounding like I'm uh, judging? And it's, it's back to, like, the kids. You know, it's right. back to, like, how do you balance? It's, I guess I can just ask it like that. Yeah. But, like, how do you balance, like... Um, Emotionally, how do you balance having like a nine-year-old girl, twelve-year-old boy, yeah. or a thirteen-year-old boy, um, uh, and with all the travel you do, and um, uh, because uh, I mean, you know what I'm asking, like, yeah. you know, like what what is important? Um, well, I because tr- because yeah. do you have because um, for me, like you know, like my kids are the most important thing. Yeah, but. Um, not to the detriment of like still who I am you know what I mean so I have this like balancing act in my head of Mm -hmm. of, like you know I still have to have my life you know like I still have to follow like what interests me and what drives me and what gets me up in the morning but they still feel very loved and I I still Mm -hmm. you know try to give them everything I can right Um, but I don't travel like at all yeah (laughs) well I I, I, like I kind of touched on I mean I think that um, I'm thankful in many ways that my son is old enough to 
at least appreciate um you know in fact like like i touched on like i took him with me for a couple of weeks last summer and uh the good thing is I think he has much the same kind of desires and work ethic and ambition that I do. I mean, the, the only complaint that he has, like, you know, the question was, what, Dad, what, I, I love this, but why do we have to get up every day at 5 o'clock? I don't get this. I'm like, well, you know, you got to get there before everybody else so that you can get your show, you know, put together and everything else. So, I mean, obviously, you know, you want to make the time, that you, you know, during the week that you have count, you know, um, so there's, in terms of, like, you know, duties around the house. I mean, you got to more than pull your weight and at least, you know, put your best effort there. Um, but I think that um, with my daughter in particular, it's just, you know, trying to, you know, whenever the opportunity arise, it rises, it's like, you know, you explain to her kind of what you're, what you're doing and why you're doing it. And to your point, there's a balance of like, yeah, you're doing it for your own, you know, personal interest and your, your ambition to build a great culture and a great company. But you're, I always put it back to that. I'm doing this ultimately for you. Because um, I feel, as I'm sure you do as a dad, that you want to be able to provide for your family. And it seems like, it, you know, really up until, you know, now, it's been, it's been a tough sell because you're, you're not exactly, you know, uh, his kids are, you know, I think more materialistic, but maybe nowadays than they used to be. It's like, you're not coming home with a brand new car. You're not, you know, you don't have, you're not buying all these great gifts. And, you know, um, but I think just trying to say, you know, as I did with my son until he kind of tipped over and said, oh, now I get it. And then, I, you know, but just try to, um, you know, bring them along the, the journey in the sense of why you're doing where you went, telling them about what, where you yeah. went and, sharing the experience and hopefully again getting them to the point where they go oh now i know what yeah. where's what he is let alone like where you've been i mean yeah. what is that you're trying to do and you know it's deeper than you know just you know building a company it's it's you know not to sound like corny but we're really trying to do something that you know I'm sure everybody says this hasn't been done before, but we're trying to do things a little bit differently in our own way and, and not trying to be the next XX company, you know? And so I try to, even though she's a little bit young and my son too, I try to just pass along in the most simplistic of terms, why and how and what happened and things like that. And then of course, when like my son, he has basketball and my daughter has dance and softball, you know, Unfortunately, you're not at every game. You're not at every practice, but you know you're you're making sure you're getting home early to do those types of things. And, um, like when you're I, there, you're there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you you know, and I, you know, I'm one, I'm I'm a night owl, so I'm usually you know they go to bed at nine nine thirty, and I'm usually that's maybe my downtime or my work time, one or the other. But it's really hard. I mean, any I think anybody that's a bit into what they do it's like it's hard to turn this to flip the switch and and but you know you realize that your kids that are you know always really no matter if they're in high school or college you're always in an impressionable age so you try to you know be as good a dad or parent or just be in the in the moment as much as you can yeah but i think the most important thing for me or any of us is like just to be aware of yeah, that yeah. and not lose sight that you know hey because we know 
your daughter's nine this year. Next year, she turns 14. Because right, yeah. that's the way it is. <laughs> so, you you, yeah. you know, time yeah, flies. And I'm like, holy. You know, my son is like, all of a sudden, he's like my height. I'm like, holy cow. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. And, I mean, I didn't have to go away for that to happen. But it feels like you better be there now because next thing you know, they're going to be married yeah. or something. So, you know, it's, it, it's a struggle. But I... I, I try to make myself feel better um, by just simply doing the best I can and, um, you know, and try to keep everything together. Yeah. Sounds like you are. Yeah. I mean, most of the time. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, I will say that, you know, when you are on the road and I, I, when you're on your road by yourself, um, it's very lonely and, and that... Uh, meaning that uh, not for me like oh I feel you know if I sorry for Mike no it's that I miss my my family yeah. I do and I, it's very hard for me to be at a at a motel in Lancaster Pennsylvania on a Friday night when you have three hours to kill it's yeah. like holy smokes what are you gonna do yeah. you know watch TV it's like I don't know it's not my thing I mean so that's the hard part when you're alone and, you, and, and I drive a ton too. So you think about all that stuff. Yeah. So you're reflecting a lot and... Do you ever, do you ever second guess? No, because I believe that, you know, I, I, as I'm sure, like, everybody that's, got, you know, jumped off like I have, that you just believe what you're doing is going to pay off. Yeah. And that, you know, there will be not just the ultimate financial reward, of course. I mean, you, you, you know, you don't do these types of things to, you know, earn zero. Um, but you do it to, like I said before, to be able to take care of your family. So that's, a, that's my motivation. And, um, but, you know, that alongside it, you know, I want to continue to build a great company. And more importantly, a great culture where people love to work. And then the people that, you know, we encounter as clients, customers, fans, just, you know, ultimately admire and respect you. And that's kind of, you know, what we're trying to do. And it, that's what all, all that makes it so hard to, you know, even have a passing thought of like not, you know, having a bad day and going, all right, this is it. You know, we're shutting this thing down. No, you know, because, you know, you're in and you're committed and, and more importantly, you're committed to being able to, you know, you know, I, I just would love for my daughter, my son, even my wife to say, you know what, it was tough, but you know what, it was all worth it, and that's what you live for. You live for the, the it was all worth it moment, which, who knows when that's going to come, but it comes maybe in, in in phases or stages, but. Just like we talked about before. Yeah, I mean, like, it's like you know, there I is can no... tell you, my, my wife is, you know, I think anybody would tell you, like, I, even our customers tell us, I can't believe you went from here to there, you know, and I'm like, no, well, I didn't realize it because we're in the moment, like, 24-7, you know, sometimes it takes people around you to make you realize how far you've come, but I think that um, when it's put in that perspective and from a third-person perspective, I mean, you feel good about what you're doing. And again, it's it can be tough, and on a lot of different fronts, not just financially, but you know, emotionally and fam on your family. But sacrifice is what it's all about, and not everybody's like me is in the fortunate position to be able to do this. 
Um, but, you know, uh, I'm doing it not just for... Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Not just for... I think that's the... Uh, is that the music in the yeah. uh, building? I don't know. I think so. But, um, but it's, it's, you know, there's a number of different reasons that you do for it, but you always have to, you know, put your, um, the fam first. Yeah. If you, you know, if, in, in every case. Um, and I heard you say, and this is another, this is a, a non-judgmental question, mm. but I heard you say it. And so is it, is it important for you to, to, uh, to have people uh, respect and admire you? Yeah, I mean, that, that might be, I mean, I, I think, some people might look at that as an ego thing, but I mean, you need room. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah, not, I wasn't feeling ego. No, no, but but, you, was, but it's you know what it is. I, I, and I will admit to this. I think most people need reinforcement. They need that people to. Um, you need to feel like what you're doing is is impacting people, um, and uh, I try to be as objective about judging people's you know reaction to what we do as best I can. You can't always measure that with sales for example yeah, yeah. Um, but um, you know it's it's a lot of handshakes it's a lot of hugs it's stuff like that I mean it's again it's people that you've not gotten to know over the last few years and they're just uh, they appreciate their complimentary all these types of different type th- types of things but I think that um, I think to me that's the ultimate again it's tough to be objective with that because it's a very emotional thing mm-hmm. but you you um, you look at how people react to what you're doing and um, knock on whatever. I, quite frankly, in all the time we've been doing that, I think we've had one borderline negative encounter with a customer. One. And that wasn't even like, that wasn't even, that was nothing. Yeah. Um, everything else is, and what, you know, we like to be a bit pranksters and have fun with people and Nobody's ever taken it the wrong way. It's all in fun and it's it's all good. But I think um, that I think is a sign of you know maybe what we're doing is well received and that's important. I mean, you think you really for us. I mean, again, being on the front lines, unlike I think a lot of companies, not just people in the you know apparel distribution you know area that we are, really have a sense of how the customer thinks about what they do. And I think that we have a really good feel about not only what they like or don't like, but really how emotionally they are engaged with their brand. And that, that's something that, you know... Well, that's interesting because that's... It takes that's time. Like, it's, we're not even there yet. I think that, you know, but the early signs are that we're on the right track. Yeah, and we need but to it's keep also part of them. your model. Right. And that's interesting because you're modeling your business after what feeds you. Right. You follow that? That's right. So your so your personality seems to be really um, relationship centric. That's correct. You know whether it's a genuine greeting with a stranger, or it's a returning customer, or it's your kids or your wife. Yep. Those 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 seem to really drive you and feed you. Yeah. And so you're modeling your business around. Um, I- that, that, that's what is going to make this company. That's what's going to feed this company like the way it feeds your soul. Right. A hundred percent, I think that's spot on. I mean, I think that... And the beauty of it is I've been fortunate to be able to, you know, mentor might be a strong word, but, you know, recruit, mentor a, a mm. couple other people that quite honestly I think are better than me at this, um, which is great. And they're as good a storyteller as I am and... That that's great because uh, you know 
so many businesses struggle when the guy at the top or the founder, you know, is out not in front of the customer being able to, you know, talk the talk and, you know, engage customers and make the sale. And it's cool. It's another you know, part of your business. It's the same thing. You're, yeah. you're cycling it right back in. You're like yeah. recycling that. Um, I'm so just curious again, like where you got that. So I'm wondering where you got that. Um, this is just like a, a sociological, yeah, you know, study question. Yeah, because like were your parents were they super social people? And you know was your funny? family social? Did, like, you, did you interact with yeah. like extended family a lot? You know what's funny is my, uh, I think my dad. You know, he's, he was a real talker. I, I mean, I, can, I guess I could be a talker, but I don't think he had. You know, as as I think about it, he didn't have a ton of friends. He had his close friends, but he didn't have like a lot of friends. I mean, I feel like maybe because, you know, I I love to talk. I just love to shoot the you know breeze with people, and I mean, just strike up you know what looks like what seems like meaningless kind of like conversation. But it but always kind of it always kind of yeah it always kind of comes back to something that like oh my god you know. There's, there's almost a kinship, it seems yeah. like, with almost everybody we meet. It's kind of funky. Yeah, yeah. And that, that gets back to, we're not a transactionally oriented company. We, we, want, we want to have people kind of come into our little world and, you know, check it out. And then, you know, we, we, I think I do a good enough job to the point where we provoke people to ask questions, which is probably the most important thing we do. For example, you know, we have on the balance of one of our tents, it says... You know, supporting diabetes nonprofits in style, and people are like, "What the heck does that mean?" Right. And we're like, "Well, we're glad you asked, because right, we don't right. have to tell you. We just have to answer your question, which is, yeah, it's all yeah. done. I mean, it's. Clever. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it works. I mean, so you know, the idea that we want to, you know, provoke a question and to to ignite a conversation, and so you're and, you're more you're less transactional. You're more relationship. Yeah, I but mean, go back to your dad. Right and how he um, didn't have a ton of friends, but right. some close ones. Right. So I think that he just liked to be able to. I mean, he could talk to anybody. Yeah. I mean, anybody. And I, I, without a doubt, have that. I mean, he could t- talk to anybody. That said, I'm a. I'm. I. Funny enough, I. I think I'm a bit reserved and shy in some respects, but I. Uh, in, in my world, I can you know light up and, and talk to anybody, but. Um, he was like that. I mean, he, he would just, I mean, the barber, the wait, the waiter, the, the, you know, the gas station attendant. I mean, whatever. I mean, he would always just not only say hello, but I, for some reason have a conversation with these people. And it's like, wait, wait a minute, they, the guy's behind him beeping and, you know, hey, can I pump my gas or whatever. You know, the, the clerk at the Wawa or whatever, you know, getting a cup of coffee. But that, that was, uh, just couldn't help himself almost. It was kind of funny. But I think, um, well, that's it. so. And then, the, like, the not a lot of friends, but yeah. a lot, but like a lot of acquaintances, but good, but also a yeah. core of good friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I was having that conversation on the phone with my friend, like my one, my oldest friend, this kid I've known since second grade, mm-hmm. and we were having this conversation on the drive here, and he 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 randomly he says, so I, he's like, I just want to, and this guy like he's really super bright guy. He meditates two hours a day, like he's a thinker and he's. But he's also a wise ass. So. Right. But he uh, he says, I just want like he he's curious. Like, so do you have like a big circle of friends? Do you think you have a lot of friends? And I said exactly what you described your dad. Right. I said, yeah, 
but like not really. Like I have, I have a, I have a few good friends, mm-hmm. and then I have a lot of acquaintances. But what's also interesting about that, like another observation of it that I had was being, and I, I've, I think I've talked about this on the podcast, but being like a New Englander, right? Like we've known people a long time. So like that guy, that one I'm talking about, I've known him since second grade. Right. And then I was like, and then I, and so thinking where I am now, like I have a good friend who I've known for 10 years, going on 10 years, eight to 10 years. That's kind of a long time, right, right. but it still feels like it's a, like, and, and it, at 10 years, I, I described it to him. I said, like, let's say I had an extra ticket to the show. Right. He's probably the guy I would call. <laughs> You know right. what I mean? And then right off that, I'd be like, I could call him, but I doubt he'd go. Yeah. He'd probably like, you know, and, and make an excuse, not like in make an excuse way, just like he would let life get in the way right. of oh, yeah. joining. Oh, yeah. Me, right. Yeah. As opposed to like Nick, 10 years, he might value that I asked him and he might go because we're tight enough at 10 years. Right. Right. Yeah. And then older and older like i would just be like all right hey i gotta take her we're going tuesday yeah right right but it's an that's an interesting conversation and i feel like i'm like you and i feel like Mm -hmm. i'm like your dad i like i value relationships i really pay attention to relationships i have a lot of acquaintances and i have meaningful conversations with them but when i'm home alone and i'm thinking about like maybe i'm just feeling like oh i could go out who will i call i'm like it's a real short list yeah and I, th- you know, I, th- I think that um, I, I would say that, you know, not to compare it to other people, but I think most people have their small circle of friends, and they probably have a, a slightly larger number of acquaintances, you know. Whereas I think, I think somebody like myself, my dad, they, they, you seem to know a lot of people, and you, and you have, you, again, you can strike up a conversation, even if it's like, you know two minutes or 20 minutes with just about anybody. Right. Um, but at the same time, I feel personally like I just, um, I like my alone time sometimes. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I, I think my alone time is, again, either at 1030 at night, you know, watching TV when, after everybody's in bed, or I happen to get it just by the nature of, the, of you know, what, what, you know, we do from traveling. Right. I mean, it's. I, I, sometimes I'll drive three hours and go, what the heck just happened? Yeah. I am like, you know, space cadet. You know, just who knows what I'm thinking about. Probably some the next T-shirt design or the next <laughs> whatever the heck. But I mean, um, but that time I, I almost cherish too. Oh, yeah. I mean, because as much as it can be monotonous and everything else, sometimes it's like, you know what? This is a great way to just unplug yeah, and agreed. just and drive with, with, you know, with only the keeping your eyes on the car in front of you. I mean, that's kind of, it's good. So as much as it's a drag sometimes to do those types of things, it's, it's a relief to, to, to take a break from the constant babbling that can go on for, you know, 10, 12 hours a day sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's like, a, it's amazing you don't get laryngitis more. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, but that's, you know, you go do your thing, you you get up the next morning at 5 a.m. You show up and you do it again and you do it again. But you do it again because it's makes you feel like you're doing the right thing. It's yeah. just it make, keeps you going. So what is the uh, what's the goal? Even though we talked about not having a goal. Well, I, I'm it? a I'm a pretty ambitious guy. So I I, I look at some uh, you know the right side, the business guy in me says 
we want to build a great company. You know, we fortunately, as a small company, and this is a little bit hard to believe because it never seems like you have enough cash, but we make money. Yeah. Um, but that's a little bit misleading because what happens is whenever you have, you know, any kind of earnings or free cash, you know, what, guess what you do? You have to, you have to reinvest yeah. it. So the, you, you really don't have, you know, uh, people are like, oh, man, you, you made like, you know, $40,000. It's like, woo, you know, you could do a lot with that. No, it's actually, we just had to buy more goods. We just had to fix our truck, you know, that kind of thing. So you never have like $40,000. Um, but um, we are not a store. Correct. You don't ever want to be a store. I don't think so. I mean, I do think that, like, I, th- I don't know if we touch on this on the, on the cast here or not, but um, we, we originally, to talk about that for a second, we, we originally sold our product into some really nice specialty stores, but we, it wasn't an enjoyable part of what we were doing because um, it's, one, tough to get in there to begin with, and number two, it's tough to get a reorder when, when stores are busy. Number three, it's tough to get your, your product presented in a way that, you, that makes you're, it look the best. You're, oh, you're only transactional. You're not, you're not yeah. relationship. And, you know, and, and, and you hope to God that you, the stores that you put it in can tell your story as, better, as best as you can. Um, which but they're not. Almost never. Yeah. I mean, there are like, rare a, exceptions. A, they're not, definitely not telling it as well. <laughs> and B, they are probably not even telling it. Right. So there's you know, uh, some guy down the Cape. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but so there's you know the, the pushing it into stores, the idea of getting it merchandised the way you want it to, the idea of telling the story the way story the way you want it to, the idea of okay it sold through which it typically did, and trying to get a reorder, pain in the butt, and then the fourth thing, getting paid. So, you know, and unfortunately we 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 were good with the stores that we did it to, but we we decided it was too much quite frankly for the money that we were making the effort that we were doing. Um, it wasn't great for the brand to be able to this doesn't sound to, may not come across right but to be in control so we wanted to be able to you know through our direct to consumer kind of model be able to mill not, to market please yeah, yeah mill to market yeah exactly mill to market direct to consumer for those that uh, you know are not onto the new catchphrase but it, the idea is that we wanted to really fine tune what we were doing so that not only we can build a product line that is just insatiable and really desirable but you know create demand on a number of different fronts so that your product is you know wanted pulled into if you will by stores so uh, we believe very strongly that if we continue to do what we're doing that that the right stores will knock on our door and we can say you know what maybe we'll sell it to you you know that type of thing versus like us trying to knock on every door and hoping get to say yes I mean that's that's typically what happens today and, and I think some great brands have been built that way, traditionally through wholesale, if you will, into retail stores, and then through the, 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 the uh, good fortune of a thing called the internet. But it, it, for us, it's you know, building a really strong, loyal base, direct to consumer, which then, you know, as, as the product line matures, as the, the product you know, swells in demand, that it, we can a- afford to put ourselves in the right outlets and be very strategic about positioning and placement and yeah. things like that. So, um, anyway, I, so getting back to our goals, I mean, you know, we look at, uh, not to be a comparable in terms of our aesthetic, our look, our vibe, our personality, like a vineyard vines, for example, which right. in new England is, uh, not just in new England, but arguably across this country, a ubiquitous brand. It's, it's available, 
in multiple channels. It's online. It's in stores. It's in their own stores. It's in you know uh, off retail or discounted retail. Um, it's in a lot of different places. The fact of the matter, however, is is that they build a lifestyle that people aspire to live, um, and their their company is valued on or around a billion dollars, mm-hmm. which is insane. Mm-hmm. And it's legitimate. I mean, they, they've, and, and, you know, the guys that founded the company hustled their butts off early on and they built something that at 20 years later has turned into be, you know, arguably the next um, iconic American brand, a la Ralph Lauren or Polo. Yeah, yeah. And from that angle of it, from a lifestyle brand perspective, I, I think, if, quite honestly, if they can do it, if I can live long enough, we can too. And it's going to take us a while. I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. And the irony about all this is, you know, we often hear about, oh, you're ready to explode. They, these guys exploded. I will tell you that no brand explodes. Yeah. None. I don't care if you're selling widgets or you're selling nuts and bolts or you're selling clothes. Everything takes time. Yeah. It and exploded those, because you never saw it until it was big. Correct. That's yeah. what they mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you realize that it, it took them eight years to, to get to that point? In the... the the funny part about the Vineyard Vine story is that I think anybody would tell you, nobody realizes except the very few people that are savvy and maybe perhaps you know really good business people would really even know that they've been around for 20 years right. and that they exploded, by the way, and on around their 10th or 12th year. Right. And all the while, they're scrape, scratching the claw and, you know, to get to that 10th, to everything, to yeah. that 10th or 12th year. But... As the saying goes, they earn that explosion. They earn that kind of like, you know, mass appeal, that critical mass that, you know, you strive to become. So when we look at what we're doing, we're halfway there to that, that kind of time, you know, that time curve that, you know, Vineyard Vines is, you know, we're on a good track. Now, do, we, do I want to take 20 years to get there? To, you know, no, but I... My feeling is that, and this is just comes down to being, as I'm sure any business person, you know, you have confidence in what you're doing and you believe that you can be the best. So my thought is with how we're doing things, with the people that we have behind us, with the clientele that we've been able to get to know and the, the fan base, if you will, that we've been able to foster along, that... If we keep doing what we're doing and we get, you know, quite frankly, some additional capital behind us, not just in terms of like money, but more talent and, mm-hmm. and uh, skills, more resources, all yeah. these different things. I mean, we, you know, we know that our online game has, you know, got room for improvement. It's not my wheelhouse, but we know where, where we need help. So we look for, you know, when we're seeking strategic investors or partners. We look for those that have an expertise in that area. But the point of it is, is that if somebody else can do it, we can too. And I, I firmly believe that. And, uh, you know, time is not is never your friend. It's almost always your enemy. But I think anybody would say that um, you might be that, that diamond in the rough, that, that one company that, you know, like a Vineyard Vines, that be, becomes that, you know, true success story that even if it's not to that extent which I aspire to be you're still going to do alright for yourself because again we believe in what we're doing is is pretty powerful stuff yeah. and you know to be honest they, they've built a great brand a great product they've done it and they've produced it very differently than we have they've marketed it differently than we have and they quite frankly they don't have a bit of a, nothing but a fleeting kind of social commitment to social causes. Um, 
they have the ability to do something great for diabetes, and they do it a, a lot. But as I like to say, that you know, in terms of our uh, you know commitment to our cause, we're out there 365, you know, doing it, and um, you know, I think that's important. So, you know, I, I always tell people I'm not shy about it that you know we, we want to be uh, we want to foster a great culture which we have and in, 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 in our small little business that we have. Um, but um, you know, I think it's a great sign that we're making money. I think it's it's not uh, um, unusual for people to think that you know you should have all this cash because they know that you know, like we talked to, you know like I mentioned you need to reinvest your earnings because that's all you got um, to in order to grow. But I think that um, you know we could be the next great you know um, business and brand might be a little short-sighted because I think again what we're doing across the three elements of our brand are innovative in their own way so when you say clothing brand or brand I mean people might think clothes that's just you know one of the the other three things that we do the other two things to make up the three things that we do so but um, I I keep they're they're the bullseye and uh, yeah you know, just because it's a brand that people are familiar with. I mean, Life is Good did a tremendous job building a, you know, a t-shirt and hat business that, you know, that, you know, became a, a darling of, of, of so many people. The challenges with any any brand, whether it's Coca-Cola or it's Life is Good, is to keep that fresh and continue to reinvent yourself. Um, and again, I think we have perhaps an advantage because if we stay as close to our customer as we are now, we may never have those challenges. To the extent that they have because we understand or we're closer to them to understand their changing needs or wants or whatever but um, I admire those guys I think they they probably they've written the book on how to hustle yeah. and that's what it, you know that's a big part of this whole thing and I um, I, I respect the, the heck out of them for that so you know we looked at companies kind of in our space our apparel and accessory space that not only I or people that know, they know them. They're name. They're household names. So, you know, we want to be like them. Yeah, it's a good goal. You know, yeah, it's ambitious, but you know, hey, yeah. they, they did it. We can. Yeah, that's right. Because it is all about hustling. You got yeah. hustle, my friend. <laughs> you got hustle. Uh, quick side note, though. Yeah, online is a good opportunity for you, I think, because Huge. online not only obvious sales, but I think online is a, is a better outlet for you than um, just putting it in stores when we're speaking about relationships. Because I think online people they having relationships and building relationships is like people are used to that mm-hmm. and people are accustomed to it. Um, and I think it would be a good opportunity to sell more, reach more people, sell more quantity, but still be able to kind of like stay in touch right. uh, via, you know, online well, sort of tactics through and it, Instagram and even Facebook and just online. I'm glad you touched on it because it's actually, it was a, a meeting we had earlier today where we talk about, you know, fans or just loyal customers. And, you know, you hear this fancy kind of term, social influencer, <coughs> excuse me, you know, more and more where we really have those folks amongst us you know, people that have bought from us so you know rather than your typical you know or maybe in addition to your your facebook ads and your facebook posts and your your amplifying your your message through social media um which really what that is is i think the the ultimate effect of what social just embellishes everything that you do 
it's not a, a standalone strategy. It's part of, you know, but we have to and we will tap into uh, those people that are our best fans and leverage their network uh, of friends to be able to, you know, spread the good word and, 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 and all that. So the good thing is what might, from a business perspective, the thing that that would cost is product. I mean, we might reward people and say, hey, you know, you go get five friends or bring in $500 worth of incremental business to our, you know, to whereswoody.com. We'll give you a hat. We'll give you a hoodie. We'll give you things that you will make you feel good about. It. And then perhaps somebody that they, you know, share their, their code with to be able to, you know, get them that reward. Some people might say, hey, how do I get that? Well, you got to go out and recruit five friends to, you know, to get on the wagon, as we like to say. So, um, but so we'll, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that the idea of doing all of what we do on the ground or grassroots, if we can do a really good job of transforming or translating and extending those offline relationships online, I think we'll be a force. Yeah. It's just a matter of um, getting a bit more expertise there and, and really putting together a bulletproof program where people just want to be a part of it. And they want to, you know, we use all these kind of fun hashtag cliches, but, you know, jump on the wagon, ride, get on the wagon, ride shotgun. I mean, it's all these types of things about, you know, hey, get on get on Woody because this is, you know, we're going places. and. And the more important thing that we've become to understand is that these people, you know, you look at the 17, 18, year old, 19 year old, you know, high schooler, for example, they want to be part of something. The, you know, even the 20 something year old millennials and, and some stay at home moms, they want to be part of thinking. And we, we, and we know that we can allow them the ability to help create our brand. It's still growing up. So if we give them that, that, license to be able to go out and help us shape our brand we think they'll, they'll, they'll really jump on the opportunity to be a part of that so you're touching on something that for us is a, is a real hot point right now and uh, we know that we do a great job face to face it's just a matter of us you know again extending that that offline conversation to be to, to magnify it online I think it's a natural yeah it'll, it'll come I mean it's, it's just it's something that you know, as I'm sure you you know that when you're you're running every aspect of a business, it's like, oh crap, you know, we got to do this, we got to do that, and and you know maybe we've not prioritized it properly, but I'm like, yeah, like I'm standing around twiddling my thumbs. Right. I mean, it's it's like you know, <laughs> yeah. we we've got to get you know we we shouldn't we can't even worry about a, a social influencer or ambassador type program unless we have product. I mean, that's you know that's the other you know two hours of a day, so. But, you know, as we, as we can get more capital, more talent that, to do those types of things and things that I'm unfortunately now stuck into, like, neck deep. It's then, probably a blessing that you don't consider it your expertise. Otherwise, you'd probably friggin' try to bite it off. Yeah, I mean, I, well, the good thing sleep. is I knew from day one. I mean, I still write everything down, which is ridiculous. But, I mean, some people, like a guy I met with earlier today, he's like, that's unbelievable. And, he, you know, he's like... I, and I'm not a list maker or a taskmaster in that respect, but I'm a visual person. And I, it's easier for me to write stuff down and then rewrite it the next day. Or, you know, I use all these codes. It's, it goes way back like Franklin Covey's, if you remember that. You know, those kind of weekly planner, daily planner things. I used to use those. And I still have the same silly, like, like list making, task, you know, mastering type of mindset that yeah, yeah. 
Um, but that might be too like granular for somebody that should be more of a strategist than that. But again, you have to wear a bunch of different hats, as you know. And um, eventually, hopefully, in time, I'll be able to like get my head above above the clouds and you know have other people do the things that I'm probably not the best at, but have to do because you know we don't have the the the, the size or the the depth that we need uh, talent-wise to be able to build a great company. You will. Thanks, man. Well, all right, brother. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. This has been a real blast. I mean, probably three hours went by. It felt... (laughs) I don't know what that was. I don't know. It felt like 10 minutes, but it was quick. Yeah, it's cool, though. I appreciate uh, hearing your story, and uh, you are an inspiration. Thank you. I mean, I... I, Hard-working dude. That, like I touched on before, I mean, that that, uh, will no doubt make get me up tomorrow yeah. and the next few days I mean all that stuff it means a, it means a lot it make, makes me think that we're again doing the right thing and uh, it's a real thrill to have met you and then uh, ultimately have you you know give me the great pleasure of giving me this platform to chat yeah that's awesome well thank you alright brother be good out there thank you alright peace we'll talk soon Well, what do you say? Inspired, ready to get up uh, off the couch and follow your dreams. Uh, yeah, that guy, guy's got hustle, man. He's a good dude. Um, hope you liked it. Uh, I, I definitely had a good time sitting with him. Good guy. Um, so if you want to find more out about Mike and Where's Woody, just uh, he's got whereswoody.com. Where's Woody on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and he would love to hear from you. Um, and uh, you should just check out his stuff. It's cool. It's got a great vibe. Um, so hope you liked it. Uh, let's see. Again, wouldn't it be cool podcast at Gmail? Wouldn't it be cool Facebook and Instagram? Please subscribe. Please, please, please subscribe and leave a leave a review. Super helpful. And um, that's about it, people. Love you all. See you next time. Bye.